Locked Into the Zone with Diamonds and Roses podcast, bringing you one step closer to Pacific Northwest and Southwest Canada baseball news, stories, and history. Proudly fueled by Baseballism, their America's brand, and Devo Bat Company, professional wood grain bats for the love of the game. And now your hosts, Ben and Travis. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. As always, I am your host, Ben. We are on to season four, episode three. We've had two great episodes for you this year so far. We're on to another great one, and we're bringing in you none other than the play-by-play master of the University of Portland Pilots, Brian Slyke. He's joining me today. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited to be here, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I really appreciate you joining me. And I uh, I remember uh, for the first time hearing you on the radio uh, and actually on YouTube or Facebook at the time in 2019, the inaugural year for the West Coast League's own Ridgefield Raptors and you calling games. And I was, as I was preparing for this, I went back and I listened to that because I Put your name into YouTube and it popped up. I'm like, I remember that voice. And then I'm like, man, he sounds way different than he does on the radio. So you talked a little bit about that in a minute ago. But I, you know, you said that you you do get that a lot. Yeah, I've gotten that a couple of times. Um, I mean, I I think anybody who talks to me outside of my work, <clears throat> excuse me, outside of my business and stuff like that, um, I'm a bit more laid back, a, a more casual. I'm not so uh, prompt or uh, articulate, I guess, at times. <laughs> um, it's. I feel like when I'm on air, I feel like I need to uh, fill out my voice a bit more. It just doesn't sound the same. So yeah, I've gotten that a couple of times. Uh, strangers meeting me at the ballpark, uh, you know, they see my name tag saying Brian Slyke. It's like, you know, it sounds a bit different than than what I'm used to hearing. Um, you know, especially at University of Portland this year, they they're broadcasting our games on the concourse. So uh, if you're just at the game, you can still listen and hear us. And so, yeah, I've had a couple of people do <laughs> come up to me and say that. Nice. So, Brian, did you let's get into some of your your past history real yeah. quick. Um, you're originally from the Midwest, right? That's correct. Yeah, I'm, I'm originally from outside of Chicago, a city called Naperville. It's about 30 miles mm-hmm. west. Are you a Cubs fan or are you a White Sox fan? Cubs fan. I grew up Cubs fan. Uh, first baseball game I ever went to uh, was in second grade. Unfortunately, I fell for a losing team at that time, too. They lost 10 to 1 to the Cincinnati Reds. Um, but yeah, a Cubs fan for life, but uh, I'll never turn down a cheap ticket to go to a White Sox game. Ah, really? You know, going to Wrigley Field, it's like one of the oldest ballparks that are oh, yeah. still remaining on my bucket list of places to go. But who's been your favorite Cubs player that you, you've liked to watch? Man, my favorite Cubs player. I mean, as a kid, I don't think there's any other choice than Sammy Sosa. Um, you know, he's the one that really got me excited and into baseball. I mean, I was born in 93, so that whole home run chase was when I was five, six, just starting to get into sports. With him so, and McGuire. Yeah. So that was a very big uh, imprint on my sports life at that time. So I'd have to say probably Sammy Sosa. Um, you know, I really, 
it's going to sound kind of weird because he was only on the team, I think, one or two years. But um, that 03 season, I was a really big fan of Kenny Lofton. Um, and what oh, he was yeah. Doing. Yeah. yeah. You know, Mr. Mr. Cleveland. Off. Yeah. I so, remember but, Kenny playing the uh, – when they played the the Braves in the World Series, they they had a really good – him, Albert Bell, and, and uh, Pedro for a little while. Yep. They had a really good team yeah. in Cleveland. But back to Chicago. How did you get to be a Chicago Cubs fan? You know, two teams to pick from. Why the Cubs? You know, I just, I think being around, my oldest brother was not a huge sports fan. Um, but my middle brother, he was always into sports. And so I kind of just gravitated towards what he was doing a lot of the time. And, you know, his friends and him would, talk about the Cubs a lot. You'd see them on TV a bunch. I mean, it was, you didn't need cable to watch the Cubs. They were on WGN. So um, it was easily accessible. And it just always seemed like a fun time. Um, you know, every time you looked at the bleachers, whenever the camera decided to pan that way, everybody genuinely seems to be having a good time while they're there. Um, and I think that played a factor into uh, my fandom is how to be accepted. And, and also, you know, Five dollar bleacher seats never hurt either. No, nope, not <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, did you play baseball as a youth, or did, was that just not within your wheelhouse? Yeah, I played baseball for man. I mean, I played t-ball. So, when you're four or five years old, all the way up till high school. I stopped playing in high school to uh, go down a different avenue in life. I decided to play volleyball instead. Uh, which actually ended up being great because I played that in college. But um, I stopped playing baseball because uh, a coach that was a freshman coach was uh, the basketball coach and football coach I had in middle school. And I'm not saying we weren't friendly or whatever, but um, sometimes just butt heads. And I just knew that wasn't the route that I wanted to go anymore and decided to try something completely new, a sport I'd never even played and just started to, to jump into volleyball. And uh, okay. I don't regret it. Baseball is still a passion of mine. I love it. I love being around the game. Um, you know, occasionally I miss getting the diamond and taking a couple hacks, but uh, for the most part, yeah, I, I stopped playing in high school, but I don't regret it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what position did you play? Uh, All over, man. I, I was, uh, I had a lot of speed when I was a kid. So they had me roaming the outfield. I got to say nothing uh, more exhilarating than diving and trying to make a catch. Um, third base. I was there a lot until uh well frankly i just didn't want to be there anymore i got hit in the face a couple of times oh yeah uh you know uneven ball fields on little league you get a hot one off the ground and uh takes a bad skip and it caught me in the face and that happened i don't know two times and that was one time too many for me and uh pitcher uh, i loved being on the mound uh fastball slider circle change was my business and uh just probably one of my more fond sports memories was pitching and a uh, complete game two hitter uh, back in pony, I guess is what it was. Yeah. Wow. Well, there you go. That sounds like a excellent time right there. I, re I remember some of my early days and being able to pitch back when I felt like I was good. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm not saying I was good by any means. I was just, that was, that was one good start for me. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I think we've, we were, we've all been there. Uh, you know, those of us that have played that don't play anymore, wish we could play, but I'd probably get out and pull a hammy, try to run to first. 
Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you talked about me being with the Raptors. I had a chance to just be on the field with them and play catch. And that was a lot of fun. But I also realized that uh, I'm not the same baseball athlete I used to think that I was. Uh, and the kids that are 10 years younger than me are certainly outperforming me. <laughs> <laughs> so you stopped playing baseball and uh, you went to volleyball, but you got into um, doing play by play. Yeah. Like, talk like talk that transition how like what drew you to it like why why call why play by play sports so this may sound weird because a lot of people don't decide on what they really want to do when they're kids but in second grade I realized I wanted to do play-by-play work um, I met Pat Hughes so that was another reason why I was a big Cubs fan he's the Cubs uh, radio play-by-play broadcaster and uh, I at that moment I just thought you know how awesome would it be just your job is to show up to the ballpark or to the field, to the pitch, whatever it is that day. And what if somebody just pays you to watch a sport and talk about it? And I I just knew that is exactly what I wanted to do in my life. It's taken a very long time. um, Mm -hmm. And I still have a long ways to go from what I would be, what I would consider myself successful. But yeah, that started all the way back in second grade in high school. uh, They allowed me to call, our local, you know, boys and girls basketball games. And then I also started doing the morning announcements every single day just to prep myself to talk in front of people. Um, I, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't really speak until I was about three or four. So I was a bit of a late bloomer when it came to that. So I was nervous speaking in front of people, but the ability to do the morning announcements every single day for, however many days you're in school, 200 plus days a year mm-hmm. um, and doing that for four years. I mean, the first day I did it, if you had a recording of it, you could hear the paper shaking that I was reading off of. I was so nervous when I was reading it, but you know, that helped shape in what I wanted to do. Um, and then I went away to college, played volleyball for four years, um, realized I still needed to get the reps that I wanted and that I needed. And uh you know, I went to Central Michigan University, so they've got a broadcasting school there. And, you know, I did my tryouts. I was one of, I think, four people um, that was on rotation for both baseball and softball. And then they would send you out on the road. And so that's where I really started to get true reps in baseball and softball. Um, it escalated from there. Um, it took a couple of different jobs after school. Went back home, worked for Northern Illinois, calling softball for them. And then that's uh, sort of relayed into me making my way out west to the West Coast League for the second time, actually. Um, And, uh, you know, I don't certainly did not plan on (laughs) how I got out here or anything like that. Um, But it took a lot of perseverance, a lot of self-confidence and a lot of gambling on myself um, Mm -hmm. to get into the position that I'm in. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can get behind the mic as being a podcaster is is like one thing. Anybody could do it. And, you know, but it's just how you go about like doing it. And I got to give you, you know, even more credit because it's just like, you know, people just I record what I'm doing, like I'm mm-hmm. doing right now. And then I can go in and edit it. But when you're when you're you're in that moment and you're you're live. And you're you're actually calling it play by play. You you clearly got to be cognizant of like what you're saying, 
like how you say it and just your level of awareness is does it does it come easier over time that it just becomes like normal to where you know like i know i'm not going to say x like a swear word or something live like on radio uh it's pretty simple i mean some easy self-control like when it comes to swearing and things like that um also it's just like one of the number one rules i learned first day of broadcasting is the mic is always taught even when it's not so um always be aware of what you are saying because um even though you may not think that it's hot or nobody's listening somebody's always listening um and i think what's his face brenneman uh yeah the guy from cincinnati he's <laughs> prime reason of why you should always know that the mic is hot, you know, um, it's difficult at times if you're not used to it, you know, the first time I did it, um, I, you're conscious of it, you're thinking about it and you're right. The more reps you have, the less you think about it because you get into a groove. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, I'm not worried about censoring myself when I'm on the air because I know, time place and what I'm doing like I don't think anybody goes into a sporting event and thinking you know I might be swearing or something like that but always keeping yourself in the moment I don't know if you've how often you've listened to me broadcast but like I'm constantly reminding people of what is happening because you need to know what the situation is in case Mm -hmm. this happens or if this guy decides he wants to bunt down the left uh, left side down the third baseline, you know, that completely changes how the infield is going to be doing something. So it's just staying in the moment, really. Um, but you're a storyteller. Like you, oh yeah. you're, what you're doing is you're telling a story and you're, 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 you got to use those words for people to like, okay, listen to what Brian's saying. He's saying this, 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 like, oh, right field, you know, or crack of the bat, you know, or this, this, and this. And so you get that sense of like what's going on. I mean, to your point, about like always reminding people because you're, you're essentially a storyteller is what it is. Yeah. Always. I mean, it, your words are so powerful in that position because uh, one thing I learned, <clears throat> excuse me, but like if you said you watched on, on Facebook and on YouTube, well, somebody's not always watching. Like sometimes it's on in the background. So, you know, being a bit more descriptive, even though there is a visual has a benefit to it. Do you do overkill with it? No, you try not to, uh, because there's, you know, there is such a thing as information overload, but you know, there's a point to being a good storyteller to map out the main points so that everybody knows it without over flooding you with information, you know, Mm -hmm. bullet points works best. I don't need a whole paragraph, things like that to tell you what's happening. So you've given some really good insight into it so far but if i like for me or somebody who's aspiring to be in this particular area i'm not saying i'm calling play by play (laughs) but i am but what i'm doing is is like in the podcasting world telling again telling that story so that people keep coming back wanting to listen like what are some pointers that you would give to just anybody to say if, if I could give you one or two basic rules here, here's some things that I want you to take away that I've learned and that I want to share with you. Uh, when it comes to baseball specifically, 
prep is important. Um, there, when I do a broadcast, I'm usually, you picture about how long you're going to do it. For me, basketball is about two hours at the University of Portland. Baseball, you can guess that's about to be three hours or so. You should do about that much in prep work. And you probably only use 15 to 20% of it. But it's important to have that type of information when you're calling a game because there's so much happening in the game that, hey, you you did that research. There's one thing that just happened. This guy's on second. And you go, oh, well, that's a seventh double of the year. He's now team high, yada, yada, yada. Well, if you don't do your research, you're not knowing that. Or you're flipping through your paper and, oh, uh, you're on to the next bat and you're already pitched deep and then you're throwing out that fact. It's important to have all that stuff already prepped for you. Um, I'm not saying having papers around by is bad because I, if you ever look in my booth, I don't know if you saw inside or not at Ridgefield, but mm. the wall is just littered with taped up paper with their season stats or some other info. Um, but that is also research that I've done. So making sure that you have all that prep time. Um, you know, the following, I got to imagine like if you're, you're, you're with that one particular team, it should be a little bit easier because you're there watching like their games, probably obviously if you're going on the road, like watching them on the road, mm -hmm. but are you, are you, you feel like you're spending more time prepping for the opposing team because of all of the research you got to do for their yeah. players? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to do overkill and try to, you know, find some more information after seven weeks with being with the same team and calling the same guys. I mean, that's, there's no point in doing that. <clears throat> now I will say there's never a bad time to try to talk to the guys and get some more information out of them that you can't find elsewhere. Um, you know, that's what I found really valuable in Ridgefield was the fact that we were on the road a lot. And so that gave me a lot of time to, I mean, I was always rooming with three other guys, you know, you're on the bus with them the entire time. So you really get to know the guys, get more inside stories. Um, I mean, like one of my favorite stories, I went and got lunch with one of our kids. His name was Trask Telesmanich. He's like, well, I don't, I never say my real name in public because every time I do it, somebody says, I was like, what? And I got to repeat myself. He goes, yeah, I just go by my dad's name, Leon, because I say Leon and you know, he's an engineering student. So he figured he'd probably save about 30 minutes on his life by just calling himself Leon and saying Trask to everybody else and then repeating himself. Mm -hmm. like, those little fun tidbits are things that you pick up by talking to your players, but you're right. When you're t with a team for so long, you spend a lot more time trying to figure out what is happening with the other team. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I mean, working with the West coast league, you know, I'm, digging for information hours after the game just ended for the next game that starts tomorrow against a new team. Um, it's tedious work. I can tell you that much, but it definitely adds to the broadcast and it helps out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like what you talk about, you know, when, when you're saying like going and like talking with the players, like having that personal, like one-on-one -on -one time. And, you know, it's like one of those things that, like I've, I've tried to do sometimes in my podcast, which is bring up, okay, well, what's your favorite movie? Like if you could have one superpower, like what does it be? And sometimes those are like the icebreakers that you need. I feel yeah. in my, my eyes, because like you, you're really putting in on like important questions and you're wanting to get to know more. But what I, I think Michael, this particular podcast is like, I, I want the people that are listening to feel like they're really getting to know 
the person, but mm-hmm. not just the person that they see at the ballpark or person that's like talking to a reporter. I want them to really get to see like, well, what is like, who really is that person? And, you know, it's like, I, I, I hope that when I do these, that, you know, people sometimes will let that guard down and really like help me tell their story because that's, that's how I felt like it's the best to me personally, is, is that if the person really does tell their stories and if you can ask those particular questions to get them to just relax and to, to tell it and to have a fun time. And then, you know what, it's better than me doing the research, all this research on them and trying to explain it because what better than the person? Sorry to go on a tangent there, but no, I disagree. I, I, I got another thing to add on. Um, you know, one of the first things I did when I was in Ridgefield and we finally figured out who was on our roster was, you know, I made my own personal questionnaire and not only did I send it to them, I filled out my own. So the guys didn't feel like that it was just a complete stranger asking them to fill out all these questions and everything else like that, you know. You, you talked about some icebreaker things like, oh, like what would your walk-up song be? It's like, oh, well, I told him my walk-up song would be yada, yada, yada by Down With Webster and why I chose that one. You know, what was my favorite sporting event and why I chose that one. Your parents, things like that. Just like mm-hmm. any little tidbit that could be fun to add in on a broadcast. You know, I made sure I filled out my own questionnaire because it was important to me that they knew that it wasn't some stranger that, I was opening up to them as well as them opening up to me on the return. Mm-hmm. Not everybody responded to that email, which was fine. I didn't expect everybody to, but I would say a solid 80% did. And that really helped out a lot going, uh, you know, the, I think it's like 60 plus game season that they had. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially, you know, you being on a bus traveling with them because, you know, you guys become this family. It's like that, it's that bull Durham kind of feel yep. <laughs> you're you're like Kevin Costner sitting on the bus playing the guitar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think people realize like how much of a mini brotherhood it is to play on those summer league teams. Now, granted there are some horror stories mixed in there, but um, you know, like that Ridgefield Raptors team, that first season, uh, all those guys, they, knew each other from some way or another and just everybody clicked. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some pockets of, you know, pitchers here and infielders here and everything else like that. But I mean, everybody was friendly and open to everybody else. And that made such a big difference in the broadcast and getting to know each other. Well, let's talk about Richfield. Let's talk about yeah. how, how is it that you, you got the call saying, Brian, we want you to be uh, our play-by-play. So I've heard a couple different different stories. Um, Gus probably told you a lot of them. <laughs> he told me one. He told me one. Oh, really? Uh, he, only told, he told you only one. The guy's full of our stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I briefly mentioned this was my second time with the West Coast League. Um when I originally graduated college, I was working with the Port Angeles lefties and what was their first season in Port Angeles. Um, that did not go very well. That was not a super great experience. A lot of self-reflection and great experience in that aspect. Um, but for work and getting into the business was a tough, tough one for me. Um, not, not great 
support system there. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so I ended up going back home after being forced to live out of my car for a little bit and knew I wanted to get back into this area because I just loved it. It was gorgeous. And if you've ever lived in the Midwest for longer than a couple of weeks, it's flat, boring, cold, and um, just not overly enjoyable. Um, but I knew I wanted to come back out here in this area. And Ridgefield was just starting up. West Coast League just announced that they were um, expanding to a new team in Ridgefield. So I reached out, introduced myself. At the time, I was talking to Jason Crone. I wasn't talking to Gus. And um, you know, just told him a bit about me that I was in broadcasting. I had my own equipment, which was, I think the biggest factor in me getting the job. Um, but just sending them my stuff and constant communication with them. And because I had my own equipment, they didn't have to rent anything from anybody. So it, it really just opened up in that way. I would say the whole process though, took a couple of months. Um, it was, just a lot of back and forth with emails and trying to grow that trust between us and uh, asking technical questions to make sure I could handle it and things like that. And Crony eventually sent me an email. I was like, yeah, we'd love to work with you. And um, I would say probably a couple, couple weeks later, maybe, maybe a couple months later, uh, I found my way out here in, into Ridgefield. And then now I'm here in Portland. Yeah. You know, Ridgefield's uh that first season, it was a it was a great season. Um, you know, open in the Ridgefield Outdoor Center was, I mean, just the Rourke, very nicely done. And I know all the great things that that Gus has planned for that. But um, what was what do you think was probably your most memorable moment that particular season for you? Mm. Like on the call or just as a moment in general? Uh, let's go both, actually, if you got examples of both. Um, I would say on the call, maybe it's the Repetti Grand Slam in the second series or the Aaron Zavala walk-off that he had in his first game with the Raptors ended up being their first walk-off win as well. Um, those two, for me personally, I thought were moments where I took a next step broadcasting wise. Um, you know, the excitement of calling a grand slam and, you know, they take the lead and it just changes the whole dynamic of a game. You know, I think a lot of people don't realize that when you're broadcasting a game is you really have to understand the flow and not to get too excited in moments where it's it's going okay. There's not a lot going on. But then there are other moments where bases are loaded. The tension is high. There's two outs right now. We're in the eighth inning. This guy's going for, you know, a six-out save right now, and he's in some hot water. But, like, those are the moments that were so exciting. And, you know, the Zavala walk-off, that was the first time I had ever had a walk-off. And calling that and letting it breathe and – having the feeling of, you know, his teammates came out with the the Gatorade bucket or whatever and gave him some of that as well. And personally, those two calls just stick out uh, in my mind uh, on <clears throat> importance to me, at least. 
my yep. overall favorite time with the with the team. Man, I don't know. Fourth of July weekend was pretty fun. We were down in Bend uh, for that, and Bend usually puts on a pretty good show, uh, especially when it comes to the West Coast League. And um, man, what else? There's a couple. I mean, opening night in the Rourke that was incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you never know what you're gonna get, especially with a brand new team in town. And mm-hmm. um, were you the, there for the uh, the call? I don't know if you you went and did any play by play up in Victoria. But when there was the 14 inning game that ran late and they couldn't catch the um, the ferry back, so they had to go back the next day for a game at the Rourke. Victoria did that. I think that's when Victoria played. I might be wrong. Was it when Victoria played uh, Ridgefield in Victoria and then had to travel down? Oh. Yeah, we we played a late extra inning game in Victoria, and we it was like a back to back series. But then they came back yeah. to us. Yeah, yeah, that was a long, long trip. Um, you guys, you guys were like exhausted yeah, we when were they, that. I mean, that was my most memorable moment because I was there when everybody, when both teams got off the bus, and I was like, you guys went like till eleven or later that night, like fourteen innings. I think it was like a walk off to win yeah. the game or something like that. And then you couldn't get to ferry that night, so they had to get up really early to catch the next ferry into Port Angeles and then bus it down. Yeah, that was a memorable moment for me because I remember that <laughs> specifically. <laughs> no, and then I think you guys almost went into extra innings that night too. We did, yeah, we almost did. It was tied late in that game and uh, almost went into extras. That um, man, there was another long game for Ridgefield where I think it went 15 innings. That was in Bend, wasn't it? No, no, this one was at the Rourke because I remember and um, okay. <laughs> proud of myself but also not proud of myself uh and the fact that i was getting really hungry so i was just getting hangry that the game just kept going on and both (laughs) teams had opportunities to score and they both botched them and so the game just kept going and going and in between innings i was like gee dang it like somebody just score so i can get some food in my stomach calm down a bit and then we'd flip back on it's like all right well welcome back to the roar brian sly Corey here here and like you wouldn't notice that i was moderately annoyed that the game was going on <laughs> i was getting hangry but that that was uh it was all in good fun though i mean uh if you listen to me at portland with uh with Corey keer as well he's my broadcast partner uh at up but you know we bring up ridgefield a lot you know there's a lot of fond memories with my time in ridgefield and uh yeah well yeah, i had to ask you yeah. about that that 14 15 any game in victoria and then traveling because that was a memorable moment for me, to be honest with you. Yeah, I wish I had my. I keep all my scorebooks with me, so I can go back and look. I wish I had it right next to me. Uh, I think uh, we'll have to. I'll, I'll have to come to a UP game and take a look if you. And I'll let you know when I'm going, so I can take a look and we can talk about that particular game. Yeah, definitely. Um, but let's let's take a break from the the tough questions and let's go into some of the fun questions. Um, so the icebreaker questions, like I always talk about, but let's get to know you a little bit better and in a different way. Um, you know, what's, what's your, what's your favorite baseball movie? Favorite baseball movie. Um, man. Rookie of the year. Oh, 
Rookie of the Year is a classic, especially you know being a kid watching that movie. You're you, you want to be him. I mean, you're hoping you break your arm and you become a major league pitcher, right? Yes, you're like <laughs> slapping the doctor. Yeah, right, right. Taking <laughs> <Breaking> his nose. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably say Rookie of the Year. Um, man. Bench warmers was always a classic for me. I enjoyed that one a lot. Um, that was like right in my wheelhouse when it came out because I was, man, really gonna, I feel like I'm dating myself, which is weird, but 12, 13 when that movie came out and I was mm-hmm. all stars at that time with a bunch of my buddies. So we would watch that movie and yeah, so bench warmers. I mean, if you really want me to get technical, I mean, I'm a big movie buff. So I, you can't see it, but off screen, I've got, 300 movies to my side um man there's a lot there, um, there are a lot of really good good baseball movies out there yeah i'm gonna well, stick with my choice with rookie of the year but there's a ton like i love Moneyball. i know that one's mm-hmm. not totally baseball because it's more just like watching the analytics and the, and the front office yeah side. but it, it is baseball though because it's about what they did in oakland yeah so like that that one uh i like that one a lot too that one's probably up there who do you think was who do you think that was the best character for in a baseball movie? Like what actor do you Kevin think did Gossett the best? In Bull Durham, probably. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, classic. I think of anybody else that would I mean I mean I really liked Roger uh, who was it? Barry Pepper played Roger Maris in 61. I really liked that. That was a good uh good movie. Major Major League's probably got the best quotes of all any movies. Oh, that's the most quotable movie, without a doubt. I mean, yeah, I, I think the guy Willie Mays Hayes is like probably my favorite character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you may sure. you, you may run like Mays, but you hit like shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think mean, that's one of like my favorite lines. <laughs> no, there's this. Uh, there's too many. Yeah, I'd probably have to go with Costner, though. Costner's probably my favorite uh, character from a baseball movie in Bull Durham. Okay, okay. And then uh, if you could have played in one movie as any character, what movie would that be? I mean, I, I think I already answered it earlier. Oh, okay. So you want to be Henry yeah. Rolling yeah. Garden. Yeah. <laughs> um, but here, let's let's go with a different one. If I could pick anybody, be anybody. Um. Man, I don't know. Now that you ask baseball movies, like all these things, you could probably be a good life. squints from uh, oh, Sandlot. Yeah, squints for sure. Yeah. Um, He's know, an L7 weenie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I probably fit in that movie quite well. Uh, I can't handle my uh, my chaw either. You know, it's never been a thing for me. Yeah. So my kids watch that movie all the time, and my son just absolutely laughs when they're just just losing it on the <laughs> on the twisty ride. There, it's like, oh my god! Though the first time I had ever done that, I don't know how people regularly did that. I was constantly focusing on having to spit it out. Yeah, yes. I, I don't even touch that stuff. It's <laughs> it doesn't end well. <laughs> <laughs> well that was some fun questions and i i appreciate you taking some time to, to have yeah, some fun sure. with me on that 
Um, well, let's get, we're getting into the tail end here. I know there's, this, there's, there's a lot of other things that, that we got to go, but I want to be cognizant of your time. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, let's talk about like, let's talk about university of Portland. You've been, you know, you've been there. Um, how is that going? Like, you know, what is it like to be, you know, an announcer at university of Portland for yourself? Honestly, it's incredible. Um, they have given me so many opportunities that I was not uh, expecting or prepared for <laughs> so fast, at least. Um, I mean, that the University of Portland came at an opportune time. It was just as the West Coast League ended and um, people enjoyed my work there that Coach Valentine, who is um, the coach at UP. Yeah, good guy. Really, yeah, good great guy. guy friend of podcast yeah i uh i still need to go get a beer for him because he helped me get the job at up from what he heard up in ridgefield um my host family uh he was a graduate of up he sent in a letter without me knowing to the athletic department saying hey you should probably hire me and then um michael york he was a player on the raptors but his dad works down at uh, university of san diego and he too also wrote a letter and so you know, these people without my knowledge uh, put in such a good word for me, which was flattering because, you know, I, you never know how you're doing on a broadcast until somebody says something to you. But yeah, so I, I ended up getting the baseball gig right away and they found out that I played volleyball in college. So that became an easy transition to say, hey, we needed a volleyball voice as well. Could you do that for us? And I was more than thrilled to do that. I just had never called it before. Mm-hmm. Um you know, knowing the terminology, knowing the game is one thing, but having to call it um, mentally put me in a pretzel for a few hours, just as I was trying to prep on like, how, how am I supposed to do this? I was way overthinking it, um, but I, I love it. It was great mm-hmm. experience still doing it. And then, um, you know, Travis Demers, he, he left uh, men's basketball at UP. And now he's doing the radio stuff for the Blazers. So that opened up that position. And then the women's voice ended up moving uh, east uh, back to, I want to say, New York. And so that opened up all of these opportunities um, for me. And they all sort of just fell into my lap. And I could not be more gracious. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, I've. Well, uh, let, let me put it this way. Baseball is a the baseball community is a family. And it's one of those things like. You know, if you're in the baseball community and, you know, you're, you're getting along with people and you're doing good things, the family takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's the biggest thing is you, you talk about family and I said it earlier with Ridgefield. It's like those guys all got along so well. And I think that was all part of the first season that we were we were all experiencing that together. And just having that small knit family, like you say, uh, really went a long way. I mean, I don't think, I, I don't think, I know I wouldn't be here if I didn't do the Ridgefield Raptors. Um, that yeah. opened the door to the University of Portland and countless hours of reps and um, opportunities. Like I said, I mean, they allowed me to broadcast a basketball game on TV. I hadn't broadcast basketball in, since high school at that point. Um, but they trusted me enough and I ran with it and it's been incredible. It's been one of the most fulfilling moments career-wise for me uh, that I can think of. I mean, 
you know, each moment has been like, oh, I made my first paycheck or, all right, my first hundred dollars for calling sports. And you think you're making your way up and UP has um, continued to set the bar for me and allow me to grow and experiment with different things um, and really introduce me to people that I don't think I ever would have the opportunity to talk to normally. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with Ann Schatz at all, but you know, she's a pretty big name uh, in, in women's sports. And that was, she's helped me out tremendously and because of UP. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't think that uh, I'd be in the position that I am in right now. I probably wouldn't even be talking to you right now uh, without the Raptors or working at UP. Yeah. Let Speaking of UP, they did a, some renovation. You're mm-hmm. back there. You know, what's it like to be at Joetzel Field this year with that with a brand new renovation? It, it's uh, I'd seen it beforehand and I liked it. And last year it was a limited capacity to only parents and a couple of scouts per game. But this season it's um, it's I, I don't know really how to describe it. People have shown up in flocks and droves and it seems like every single time we have a game, more people show up. Um, you know, the renovation at Joe Etzel has been fantastic. Um, you know, they upgraded the seats, the lights, the turf, everything. I mean, it's it's a real Division One ballpark. It's not uh, some rinky-dink field on the side anymore or anything like that. Not that Joe Etzel field was, but just it is up to par with everything else that's going on uh, around the Northwest when it comes to baseball. Um it's nice. It was a seven year trip. It got done, but everybody's loving it so far. I know parents love it. Everybody that's coming in, uh, you know, fan wise students, parents, just strangers really coming in. They've all loved it. I mean, it's, you're close to the action. There's not much you can really miss. Um, you know, there's certain parts of the ballpark where you can go down and even try to talk to some of the guys if you can, not sure coach will allow it, but, um, you know, it, it gives you that close knit feeling at the ballpark. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I it's, a, if you haven't been yet, I highly advise it, especially on a sunny day, go find yourself on the right field berm, put down a blanket or, you know, one of your uh, grass seats or whatever, and just catch a ball game. Cause you're, you're not going to find a better atmosphere in this area. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Ryan, I appreciate you. Uh, you taking some time to have a great discussion you know, with me here and uh, thank you so much. And it's been wonderful uh, to get to know you personally uh, through this interview process uh, on the podcast. So thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, of course, Ben, thank you so much uh, for allowing me to tell my bit of a story of myself. And if you ever want uh, me on again, please don't hesitate. Gladly do it. I'm sure we will, uh, we will work on getting you on yet again and we can talk some more baseball maybe maybe we could get some get you on help me answer some ask some good questions to somebody <laughs> for a special episode sometime all right i'm on board for that all right well that'll do it for this episode of the diamonds and roses podcast i'd like to personally thank my sponsors baseballism thank you baseballism for being there in the game so go to baseballism.com get some great swag i know i do I have a lot of it, a lot of great hats, and also Devo Bats, some great bats, the official bat of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. So you have yourself a great day wherever you are at. Brian, thanks for joining me. Have a great day, and peace. Peace.